Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. Today, we've got one of those amazing episodes where it's just one story, a whole episode dedicated to the narrative of one person's adventures into the life of r slash malicious compliance. So without further ado, let's get straight into today's one and only story posted by Also Not The Mama. Marketing director wants to be notified of events on our client server. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This took place a little over 20 years ago in South Africa. I'd just joined a new company that was a technical service provider for a number of companies, including gaming, as in gambling companies, cellular companies, banks, and more. We did tech work, but the industries were vastly different and that made the work incredibly challenging and interesting. As the new IT manager, one of the first things I did was to install a ticketing system for people to log IT support tickets. In under a week, I had enough information to start making recommendations on streamlining a lot of our technical services. The sales and marketing director, SMD, saw the stats I had access to and got almost sexually excited and demanded that we give his sales guys access to the request tracker. It wasn't a perfect fit out of the box. But over the next few weeks, we tweaked it so that it became a very useful tool for them. Something to understand about is that we provided technical services to our clients, and we used special and stupidly expensive software that was licensed to us. The way the licenses worked is that there was a very expensive management server that required a license that cost about $10,000 per year. And then you needed client licenses that costed something like $20,000 per year for 10 and $25,000 per year for 100. We had about 5,000 licenses, so each individual license ended up costing something like 30 to 100 bucks, different license capabilities. So we ran the main management server at our office and delegated X licenses to a special management server at each client's site. We got away with this because only our staff used the client licenses, even though they were using the client licenses on behalf of a different entity entirely. It was quasi-legit. Had the software license owner challenged this in court, they may have won. But their competitor had a significantly cheaper product with slightly less functionality that we would have migrated to, so everyone just pretended we were friends and were okay with everything going on. We were by far their biggest customer in the southern hemisphere. 
The software in question was supposed to be used for software testing and QA, but it had quite a few useful features that allowed us to use it to automate large parts of the change control procedure for our customers. And by the time this took place, many sites were using it solely as part of the change control process. All this is important because if the servers experienced problems, they seldom did, it had a huge impact on the services we provided to the clients. We also have our own auxiliary servers, servers that hosted services we used exclusively, mostly for automated services, such as SMTP servers, FTP servers, some web services, etc. Remember, more than 20 years back. In any case, one day, there was a crisis at our biggest client. The site manager sent off an urgent email that we never received. Turns out, found this out about a week later, the client's primary domain controller failed without actually physically failing, which resulted in massive authentication issues. Our software used AD authentication to authenticate change control requests, and with the PDC down, nobody could submit a change request, and the company policy wouldn't allow them to replace or turn off the PCD without an authorized change request. Additionally, the assistant to the director who was responsible for emergency change control, who was in a different building a few kilometers away, refused to schedule an emergency change control meeting without a change control number. Our site manager sent a number of emergency emails to us, but Outlook was failing to authenticate to the Exchange server quietly in the background, and so the emails were never sent. Quick note. This probably sounds so stupid it can't be real, but people who have worked in enterprise IT environments probably know that some of the rules and policies make you wonder if they were written by a child experimenting with cocaine and LSD who has no technical skills or real-world experience, and others were clearly written by someone with years of experience and loads of skill, but no more fucks to give. The problems are made worse because often the people with the technical knowledge often have to report to people with no clue and are on a power trip. As any sane person can tell, the problem had nothing at all to do with our IT infrastructure and yet the entire thing was blamed on our email server, Zimbra at the time, not delivering the urgent emails. And as much as I tried to explain that the problem was not on our side, the more I was told I was covering it up. Seven days later, when the emergency emails were finally delivered, after they got their domain authentication issues resolved, I was called into a meeting to explain where I found the emails and why I waited so long to deliver them. SMD was behind all this. I suspect he knew that the real problem was his site manager. Site managers fell under the SMD and not ops, for some reason that I did not understand. Deciding to send email after email rather than picking up the phone. But he didn't want the client to think the on-site people were anything but perfect, so I got it, and he dragged me over the coals for over a month. As a result of this, I decided to implement a monitoring system, Nagios if you can, to monitor all our hosted services, as well as all the client services we relied on. I decided to start by monitoring client services, since that would be done using TCP checks instead of agents and as such was less intrusive and didn't require us to schedule change control and downtime at our sites. 
As pure luck would have it, the first server I decided to monitor, I was actually manually checking to determine what normal responses looked like, was reporting an error every fifth connection or so. I suspect it was a simple server in a pool that was faulty, so I sent a quick email to SMD letting them know that one of his clients was having a problem with their infrastructure if he wanted to let them know. I'd previously told him I couldn't fix problems on our client's infrastructure. I got called incompetent for that, by the way. So his knee-jerk response was to tell me I was making stuff up. Whatever. Later that day, hours later, the client picked up the problem and sent out an email asking us to confirm any data we had sent to them. SMD's mind was blown! He saw an opportunity and rushed to my office. Usually, I was summoned to his office to ask me how I knew about the problem before they did. I stupidly tried to explain and his eyes glazed over until I mentioned that I planned on linking the automated monitoring into our request tracker. His eyes unglazed and he said, Are you telling me this will send an email when there's a problem? Well, yeah, I said, but it's not as simple as that. There's a lot of testing and... But it will send an email in English that anyone can understand. Oh, I plan on configuring it like that when it's ready, but it's not... I want you to set up to send an email to me whenever it detects a problem and to send an email to whichever sales manager and site manager is responsible for that site. Well, I suppose I can do that when it's done but we'll have to wait until I've finished and tested everything. I tried to argue. No, I'll send an email to my team, include them now. I'll tell them they're testing this with you. You always told me you need people to help you test stuff. Yeah, but this isn't ready for testing. It's barely started. I don't even have any idea of how I'm going to group the servers. Not only that, nothing is actually working yet. I'll go speak to the ops director. He'll send you an email. And he rushed off to the ops director's office, OD. About five minutes later, I get an email from OD, my direct boss, asking me what is going on. I explain that I'm setting up a monitoring service and that SMD wants to be a part of the process. OD tells me that SMD understands the risks and to go ahead and do it. I try to explain that this is a monumentally bad idea, but OD tells me that SMD wants an edge that they can use when negotiating with clients and that this will give them that edge. I try to argue, but am told that the discussion is over and that I should arrange everything with SMD. Okay, if you're sure. Malicious Compliance 1 I email SMD and include a lot of questions with all the caveats I can think of. The most important question is that I will not be organizing the servers into groups until most of the work is done, and as such don't know how to split it when sending it to his team. He asks if the emails will have an identifying name for the server, and I tell him that until I start polishing things, the only name will be the DNS name we are using for connections. He tells me that I should send the emails to everyone, and that his team will be able to tell which email relates to their site because they can read and are not idiots. You want me to send all alerts to you and your entire team individually? Ha, why not? Malicious Compliance 2 is double malicious compliance a thing? So before I've added my first stable host, I configured Nagios to send all alerts to every person in the sales and marketing team, including the site managers. These alerts were sent to be delivered to their request tracker email addresses, SMD request, 
since they would be able to forward a nice professional-looking email to their clients as they smiled and gloated that they knew about problems before the client did. Of course, that's not how things went. Synagios was now delivering all alerts to a dedicated mailbox I'd set up for myself, as well as the ticketing system for the entire sales and marketing team. We started out slowly as I added each server. The chaos started out small, but built to ridiculous levels as more servers were added. I had other work, so my time wasn't dedicated to this. OD had also told SMD to tell his staff not to bug me about this as it was work in progress, so I wasn't aware of the extent of the chaos for quite a while, over a month. Things went wrong. Rather than trying to give you specific incidents, I'm going to provide you with a few examples of things that went sideways. The DNS names were usually meaningless to the sales and marketing team SMT. Server DNS names often point to third-party hosting providers, and often multiple clients use different servers with the same provider. And when the DNS actually pointed to the client, many clients use different domains for back-end services. SMT knows that they email mycontact at companyname.co.za, but didn't realize that the servers were named things like smtp07.jhb. Internal code for ISP. Company name code by drunkraccoon.net.za. This meant that they either missed alerts for their clients because they didn't recognize the domain, or decided that every alert that looked familiar, i.e., some part of the domain name contained the same letters or something, to the last one they missed was for their clients. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com podcast. When I was setting up a new host, there was always an alert because I hadn't identified all the OK states. Or there was a failure alert because, for example, a mail server returned a temporary error, or similar. It often took a week or more, usually more, to smooth out a new server as some unexpected changes were based on time, day of the week, day of the month, etc. One of my biggest challenges was figuring out how to tell the difference between an outage and maintenance. Internet in South Africa in those days was pretty reliable, but there were glitches. A single mini-outage, which can make all parallel running tests fail, which lasted less than a second or so, and was usually unrelated to routing, rule table updates upstream were quite rare. But as the number of monitored services increased, so did the odds of you hitting a mini-outage. Most people wouldn't notice them, but since we were testing latency and not just failure, I was somewhat new to Nagios. That created an entire family of problems all on its own. I often screwed up. I was still learning to use Nagios, and this was not a live service. It was being driven by my need and so got minimal priority. And I often had to squeeze work into whatever time I had available. The fallout. I'm on the autism spectrum and so often have difficulty understanding how thought processes work for other people. 
I can try to be nice and say that what happened next was due to different ways of processing data. Or I can be honest and say that SMD and his team are so stupid they shouldn't be allowed to go to the toilet without assistance. You decide which one of those I use. Sales and Marketing Manager, SMD Regardless, one of the first things that happened was that SMD stopped reading most messages from the request tracker. I've been told that Outlook will learn from your behavior and automatically mark certain emails as spam if you do not read them often enough. So maybe that's what happened. Another possibility is that SMD, either deliberately or through incompetence, told Outlook to mark request tracker emails as spam. Either way, he stopped seeing request tracker emails. Had he forced all his contacts to use his RT email address for actual work-related requests, he would have figured this out earlier, because all communications would have stopped. Unfortunately, he allowed the senior people to send requests to him directly. Had he then done the right thing and created a ticket to deal with this, he would have been alerted to the problem. But he didn't. So he didn't realize that he was no longer seeing RT messages which meant he wasn't seeing the hundreds of junk tickets the monitoring system was creating, but he also wasn't seeing all the customer tickets being sent to him by customers. And he also didn't see all the tickets forwarded to him by the sales team. We ended up losing two customers and nearly three million in South African currency. Not to mention all the new business that fizzled out. RT was part of the sales pipeline, including new business. He thought everything was good because the people he considered important were communicating with him via email directly, as everything else went to hell. Sales and Marketing Team SMT. The SMT were only allowed to communicate via RT. Communications in RT is via a web interface. Okay, but minimalistic in those days. Or by replying to emails sent from the RT system. Before this started, and while the monitoring spam was low, the SMT would use the web interface, which allowed them to add notes the client couldn't see, change the priority of tickets, get stats, close tickets, and so on. But when the monitoring spam got too bad, each email opened a new ticket, and often multiple emails would be sent for a single issue. For example, if it was set to alert every five minutes, a new ticket would be created for a single incident every five minutes. They stopped using the web interface for communication and only responded to tickets by replying via email. Note, RT does have the ability to deal with these multiple tickets for a single instant problems, elegantly and simply. But I wasn't using RT, I had a throwaway mail account, and hadn't even thought about how this was integrating into RT. In fact, I filtered out alerts for hosts I was currently working on, so I wasn't really aware of how much traffic was being generated. The fact that they were primarily using email meant that they were not really closing tickets anymore, and were basically only using the web interface to assign tickets to other people. This really screwed up their stats, but more importantly, they weren't seeing system alerts warning them of problems, including that the ticket that they had forwarded to their boss was not getting actioned. It didn't take too long before their mailboxes were getting swamped with bogus alerts that they were deleting large blocks of, monitoring spam emails, and apparently some legitimate emails got deleted too. Things were really bad for them. 
Now, something that I didn't know at the time was that OD fought my unwillingness to do what SMD had asked was because I didn't want the extra work of dealing with queries from this. So he had told the SMD that under no circumstances were the SMT to bug me about any problems with the monitoring system. SMD told SMT they were not allowed to bug me with problems. He also pushed this as a big new initiative, so they were unwilling to tell him how bad things had gotten. So they just kept quiet as things started burning. In fact, the suck-ups that they were, they told him things were going great. The monitoring system I was putting in place was not designed to inform me of every problem our clients experienced. It was for me to have something to reference when things went bad, or perhaps alert me that things might be about to go bad, so that I could protect myself. It was never intended to highlight problem after problem with our customer systems. But that's what SMD thought it was for. And he told his team that they should find a way to use information about failures on customer systems to sell more services. Unfortunately, at this point, the way they were getting informed, the system was pushing out mostly garbage. Apparently, a number of them reported false positives as outages to their clients, which created more than a few problems and had a long-term hit on our credibility. But eventually, they just started ignoring the monitoring messages as well as they could. The guano strikes the propeller. Things came to a head after about a month. I think, it feels like it was longer, but it's hard to see this lasting more than a month, when SMD checked up on some stats in RT. Each queue had in excess of 10,000 tickets. Most of them hadn't been opened, many of them weeks old. He noticed the crazy circus in his tickets and he flipped. As in, I heard him screaming my surname while I was in my office and he was in his. My phone rang. It was OD. I was being called into an urgent meeting in a meeting room. OD had a large office. SMD had a larger office. My office isn't that small. Why were we meeting in a meeting room? I get to the meeting room and OD is there. He doesn't make eye contact. He doesn't respond when I greet him. About five minutes later, a HR rep arrives. Our HR isn't on site, so they either dragged this lady away from the real reason she was there, or were lucky enough to have caught her as she was leaving. HR lady looked a little confused and sits down. About five minutes after that, SMD walks in with one of his SMT weenies, SW, and our accountant. He keeps quiet just long enough for the HR to say something about disciplinary action before he jumps up and tells me I'm getting fired and the company's going to sue me for the millions I've cost the company. I've never really liked SMD. I keep quiet and wait for him to finish. HR lady looks flustered and tells me that I'm not about to be fired and that there will be a disciplinary hearing where I will get to explain why I did what I did. I'd been expecting something like this and had printed out two copies of the email chains with OD and SMD where I told them it was a bad idea to do what SMD was asking me to do, including the email to SMD where I mentioned a number of things that could go bad. I gave one copy to OD and one to the HR lady. I'd printed it out for SMD, but screw him, HR lady can have it. 
I then tell the HR lady I have no idea what the problem is, but I'm going to guess it's related to the excessive emails from the monitoring server. And I refer to the email to SMD where this is listed as a potential problem. HR lady is reading the email exchange. She stops to ask SMD why he asked OD to force me to forward the emails. Because he didn't want to do what I told him to, SMD responds. HR lady carries on reading. OD is reading the emails too. SMD looks like he wanted to grab the paper from HR lady, but instead sits there fidgeting and looking antsy. HR lady then looks at another piece of paper, looks at the SMT weenie and asks, When you saw this was becoming a problem, why didn't you tell OP to stop the emails? SW looks like he'd like to climb out of his skin and run screaming down the passage. He glances at SMD and says, Well, we couldn't. Why couldn't you? HR lady asks. Well, SMD told us we're not allowed to discuss any problems with OP. HR lady sits there, quietly, for about a minute. Then she looks at SMD and says, You forced OP to do something he warned you was dangerous by going over his head and getting his boss to tell him to do what you wanted. You ignored this document about potential problems, and then you told your staff not to report any problems to him. Is that about right? SMD looks at her, gets up, pushing his nice, comfortable, very heavy boardroom chair over backwards as he does so. He stares at me and walks out. HR lady looks at OD, then looks at me. She says to OD, Is there anything more you want me to do? OD, without looking up, mumbles, No, that's about it. HR lady looks at me. Her face is blank. She says nothing more and leaves. Accountant and Weenie leave the room at the same time. I look at OD and ask if I can get back to work. He looks at me and says, Sure, sorry about this. I was with the company for about four years after this. For the most part, work was really fun and interesting. SMD and I never got along and he was ultimately the reason I left. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was one hell of a tale of a thermonuclear revenge. Almost, sort of. Malicious compliance and revenge often go hand in hand. Thank you very much for being here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to hear from you. Jump on our Discord, say hi, and until the next episode, guys, take care. Peace out. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. True terrors of horror bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares 
coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.